Hello and welcome everybody to the Melomancy Podcast, episode 77. My name is Dylan. My name is Victim. And I am Rick. That's right, you heard it here first, folks. Victim is back. He never died. I don't think I said he did. I was here the whole time. I was really quiet. You just couldn't hear him. (laughs) It's like uh, fucking invisible characters in superhero media. Yep. They were there the whole time. They were always there. It, it it worked in that one movie we watched it recently. What was it? Did it did it work? Did anything in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? Work? <laughs> um, no, but it's a guilty pleasure. It really is. Uh, <laughs> fucking love that movie. <laughs> did you know the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is such a huge departure from its source material that its writer, le- the legendary comic book writer Alan Moore, vowed to never watch another screen adaptation of his work ever again it's such a terrible movie it killed sean connery's career like that was the last movie he was ever in yeah that too he's still alive and that movie is like what like 15 years old uh dylan i i, I think that's like older than that i, oh, I think shit. it's like 20 hang on uh, so we'll fact check time <laughs> yeah i was gonna say so yeah for those who are unaware league of extraordinary gentlemen was a massive flop um and it uh killed both sean connery's career and alan moore's belief in cinema basically for any mm-hmm. of his uh, adapted works which sucks because like the uh, adaptations of his work that came out after that movie like uh v for vendetta and watchmen were really good mm-hmm. okay so um you said 15 years vic mm-hmm. do you want to make a guess on how old this movie is it's like it's probably closer to like 20 victim is correct 2003 oh god yeah. 20 flat oh yes. that makes me feel really old <laughs> i mean you're getting there man we all look the reaper will come for us all one day today's just not that day unless we have a heart attack which case you'll hear it here first <laughs> yeah i mean at this point it'll be on recording yeah I, just, I know i would that be snuff <laughs> at that point <laughs> yeah probably oh well so macabre stuff aside it's good to see that victim is alive i mean it's october so oh shit you got me yeah i am alive yes what have you been playing lately vic uh lately it has been Baldur's gate 3 and legal legends very horrifying stuff it's sad that i I have to ask like i see you guys pile in the discord right i see you playing and it's like i'm too busy for this uh now uh, things will change. So uh, I, it's, it's been a while since we recorded. I, I have life updates, right? So um, I'll, I'll give them. So for the last like basically like year straight, right? Um, I have been getting through my single player backlog of games and I've been watching a lot of TV shows. Um, and soon, hopefully, uh, I'll also watch uh, some more anime. More than normal. You fucking normal. need to yes ghost stories needs to especially be especially awesome. ghost stories god Look, damn it you have five more days in this month to start ghost stories for it to still be applicable if not <laughs> then just watch it before the end of the year and it'll be fine i know just, you know i know yeah. so um this has been you know a very very lovely time that i spend with destiny but things are changing uh she is opening a bakery uh because she's like a stay-at-home mom right so she's like i'm the one that works and she doesn't right um the kids are finally old enough that she can start working again for her own choices (laughs) 
but it's you know it's gonna be her own bakery so it's like she can bring the kids if she wants to and it's gonna be at the crack of fucking dawn uh so that means she needs to go to bed at a decent time which means we might not have you know these lovely nights where we can just stay up late and watch shows and stuff right so um since that's coming it's been it's been on its way for a while right um i i haven't been like trying to get on discord with the boys just because i'm about to have a lot of time for that because these nights will no longer be possible right so it's like i'm gonna just ride this out until it's over right <laughs> like oh, um, absolutely you should yeah take all the advantage again yeah besides gaming with the boys will be there right uh, not only do i miss the boys right um the the nights that we will have uh will be a lot fewer and therefore i will anticipate them and they'll be all the more special so it's like i'm, I'm trying to look at this positively right um and i think there's a lot to look forward to so uh, i will probably be appearing in the discord a lot more often uh soon uh but it's gonna be a bit but that's uh you know that's it's the near future for for dylan that's great uh we did not record last week i don't remember why um oh uh, right you had the uh... Was it a ear infection? Or? I had a ear infection uh, that is uh, still kind of raging, but it's it's under control at the moment. Um, and then the week before that, we were going to record, uh, but I was tasked with something else. I was uh, at my brother-in-law's help uh, house helping him build a new computer, right. which is made with all the latest parts, which was really nice to to witness. Um, yeah, there was that. The, he's got like a forty eighty. Yeah, some yeah, shit. You went on vacation nice. before that. Um, then the week before that was just a regular week off. So yeah, we've had four weeks off for just various life events. Yeah. And we always take a break in the winter. So I'm not sure how many episodes after this one are ahead for the season or the, the, the year as it were the calendar year. Um, probably one or two. We'll see. Um, yeah, I shit. Yeah, dude, I'm still trying to find a fucking game of the year. Cause <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I've not found one. Like, we're going to come around to January. I'm going to be like game of the year. 2023 was mid as fuck. No, it's not mid. There are plenty of good games. It's just, how do I put this like in a way that makes sense? It, like I enjoyed the hell out of armor core six, right? Like, mm. It was a great game, but it's super disingenuous to give it game of the year. Cause it has like no staying power. Yeah, like, that's fair. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like, I'm not going to play Baldur's Gate. No offense to it. It's just not my style of game. So it it, it could be the best game for everybody who plays it, but it's not going to be my game of the year because I'm not going to fucking play it. I yeah. wonder if people will give it game of the year. Because it's one of those games, it's one of those like front heavy games, right? Where the, the further you go, the, the more you can tell that like, uh, the well, I mean, like, yeah, I wouldn't say the quality dips so hard that it's like a bad game, but it definitely dips. Kind of like uh, Elden Ring. By the time you get to the last zone, it's literally just a fucking straight path in mm. Elden Ring. Not quite the same in Baldur's Gate Three, but you, same kind of idea. So, just to remind the viewers, uh, when we return in January, we're going to reflect on the previous year and award the best new game that we played. Doesn't have to be a game that came out this year; it's just got to be new to us, right? And so. With that in mind, right? So Elden Ring is like on my list because like I haven't started it yet, but like, um, once we uh take a break from the podcast and I don't have to worry about editing and then the recording, like that actually frees up quite a bit of time that I would otherwise spend on the show, right? So like, I'm borrowing a copy of Elden Ring for Jordan, 
And if I finish it and I like it, that's a contender for game of the year for me, right? I mean, um, it might not, it's probably not going to be. You played Xenoblade this year, man. We already know what you're I, I know, year like, <laughs> it's going to be tough. Like, right now, Xenoblade's in the lead because that Xenoblade Chronicles 3 Future Redeemed uh, might be one of the best games I've ever played. Ever? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, only right. because it's, uh, it is like the perfect uh, finale to that requires three different 100 hour JRPGs to understand it. And it's just everything you could want and more. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it's why I compared it to uh, the end of phase one uh, of MCU. Well, I guess it was like phase two whenever they did in game, right? Was that phase two? I think it was phase three. Whatever, whatever the fuck at the end of end game, because it required like so many movies watched ahead of time and everything mm-hmm. flowed together narratively pretty well, maybe not perfect, but certainly it certainly did a lot better than fucking its contemporaries like Game of Thrones. Yeah, I'd say Xenoblade Chronicles <laughs> 3 Future Redeemed is like the Avengers Endgame of video games, uh, or at least of RPGs. It was that fucking good. It. Well, right, because usually when we have like numbered series or, you know, video game, even JRPG series, they're like set in the same universe. Like, um, what is it, the Trails uh, series? Like, yep. they, they're set in the same universe, but they're not like, they and they may even have some of the same characters popping in and out of the games, but they're not like the same party. Not even from, close. From what I understand, the Kisaki or the Legend of Legendary Heroes or whatever they call it, uh is I think largely I think it's like a very linear timeline that takes place within the lives of every character. So like and it's never like a span of time where any of them are gonna die. But like you get to watch like uh uh, I'll use one character's example, Estelle, from one of the very first games. Uh, she, You get to see her grow into an adult over the course of them. But, like, from what I understand, it, aside from, like, some of the series games, because the, they do that, like, they'll have, like, a trilogy in the middle of the series. Aside from that, the stories tend to not be the same. Right. I mean, and then, you know, on the opposite end of the spectrum is Final Fantasy, where unless it's, like, a numbered a- after that, well, they're all fucking numbered, but you know what I mean, <laughs> like... Uh, <laughs> Ten like 10 two. 2 yeah yeah like <laughs> uh, but unless it's like 10 2 that doesn't even have the same fucking characters like yeah it they, it's not even in the same fucking universe is is that <laughs> wild or, or bad or like a bad take for me to, to actually kind of like the way that sounds though like 10 2 13 2 13 3 it, i don't know something about it that's works weird to for me. them it, it it works because of the alliteration of final fantasy if we if we did here, I'll, I'm going to pick on Xenoblade. So Xenoblade Chronicles 3-2. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's a fair fucking point. Yeah. But to Xenoblade's credit, they have like a, a naming convention because there's, there's Xenoblade Chronicles 1 and then there's uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 1 Future Connected, which was like, it was like DLC, but it actually came out at the same time as the re, the, the HD remaster, right? At That's the game that they actually made and then they just upped the original too. And then you got Xenoblade Chronicles 2, and Xenoblade Chronicles 2, Torn of the Golden Country. And then you got Xenoblade Chronicles 3, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, Future Redeemed. And it's like... Right. Well, having the DLCs with their separate thing, that, that, that's that been something that game creators have been doing for a while. I think mm-hmm. that Final Fantasy might have the luck of uh, Final Fantasy X-2, Final Fantasy XIII-2, and XIII-3. I think they're the only ones, at least off the top of my head, that do number and then number instead of subtitle. Yeah, as far as more. Well, yeah. and then they actually do subtitle for 
13. Because uh, it's 13, two lightning returns or fucking whatever. And then the the first number is a Roman numeral, and the second number is an English numeral or an Arabic numeral. Yeah, right? yeah, fuck that, <laughs> I'm actually surprised you, you said it like that, but yeah, no, fuck you're it, correct. Fucking Japan. <laughs> look, look, these it they're like they're not the only ones doing this. Like Capcom and Resident Evil. Like they've been fucking like how many Resident Evil games are there? Like fifty, but only numbered up to eight. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. and it's actually funny because not all of them are non-canon too, and oh, half of no, them are Resident what? Evil Four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We we talked about that in person. Where they're what was it? They have more releases of uh, Resident Evil Four than Skyrim. Skyrim. Yeah, yep. but Skyrim's the one we all make fun of. But in fairness, that it deserves it. Yeah, me, Rick, and Jordan were uh, knocking back some beers, and they were like, how many Resident Evil 4 games have there been? And I had to look it up. It's like, fucking 10, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There are, yeah, there are actually more. Uh, I think the saving but, grace is that a lot of the times when 4 was re-released, it, I think it did have at least graphical changes. No, sometimes um, it was just ports. Like, most of the time it was ports. Um, like, there were, what was it? It was an HD remaster. Um, a VR port, and then this one. Those were the only significant changes. Everything else was just like, um, we're taking the original GameCube version, now we're putting it on Wii. We're taking the original GameCube version, we're putting it on PS3. uh, And PS2. Yeah, Yeah, and PS2. Mm -hmm. So that's, like for the most part, that's all that happened. There were some graphical changes before those. Like uh, the PS2 version, I do remember this one specifically because it was in a conversation about uh, why GameCube was actually the most powerful of its generation, even though it looked the dinkiest, because it was. It had the, and uh, they showed off like the comparison to Resident Evil 4 uh, GameCube to Resident Evil uh, PlayStation and Resident Evil 4 PlayStation. And yeah, no, it looked better hands down on GameCube. Uh, You know what's really sad about that? So, um, yeah, obviously uh, Resident Evil 4 GameCube version superior to the PS2 version graphically, right? Um, But get this. um, So the Switch version of the Metal Gear Solid Legacy Master Collection, the new thing that just came out, right? Oh, the thing that got railed? (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, I saw its uh, scores. Like, I've never seen anything other than Survive. Um, Resident, or not Resident, Metal Gear-wise, that was like like don't yeah. buy this so not only that like so Metal Gear Solid 2 PS2 game right uh, on the Switch it runs at 30 frames per second 720p uh, do you want to know how many frames it ran on the PS2 fucking 60 like how I'm, I mean how, how'd they fuck that up like that one I like that one I don't understand because there's no like there was no reason not to be frame capped to 30 in that era because you're playing it on tube TVs, which didn't have a refresh rate, but they essentially like that was before like anybody had like mental capacity to handle, you know, frames higher than 30. Right. Like TV was filmed at 24 frames animations at 24 frames a second. So I think it's 24, maybe it's 21. It's in that ballpark though. Like, yeah, 20 percent is right. Um, yeah the only things that were and i mean even though cameras were like capable of doing better like 
we've like Hollywood has had like 4K capable cameras since like the 90s. It's just we didn't yeah, have yeah. displays to play it essentially. Um, and so like you, you see like um, uh, soap operas for like the three people that are listening from Europe telenovelas um, and and they're actually have a lot higher like f er, frames per second than uh, standard TV. I don't know why soap operas were filmed that way, but like when we first started getting like uh, 4K TVs or, you know, things that like higher frame rate TVs uh, and everything looked wrong, they looked like soap operas. That, that, that's yeah. exactly what it looked like. Um, and I have no idea why it was like standard to film soap operas like that. I, I have no idea. I'm sure there's somebody that can. I kind of like it. it. Like I actually prefer it over well, now the, that we've the gotten standard. Used to it, yeah. Well, now that we've gotten used to it, it's not so bad. Yeah. Um, but it was definitely jarring at first to be like, why does it look different when I look at this TV versus when when I look at that TV? <laughs> it's just like higher fidelity, man. Like it's a crisper image. It's uh, you know more frames per second. Like it's still like that. That master collection though deserves all the hate that it's getting, and I, I I feel empowered to say that because like yeah, I haven't played it, but I'll judge it because I'm not breaking my rule. I've already played Metal Gear Solid one, two, and three. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. Also, uh, like yeah, like there are some games that I'm willing to buy again, right? Like for a you know remaster or mm -hmm. a re-release on a different platform that I. Like if I don't have the original platform anymore, um, like a console that that it's got to check that box. Um, it's got to be a game that's worth buying again, too, because like that's a big thing, because a lot of games that, you know, like I played on 360 and then, you know, I got on PC as well. They weren't or had the opportunity to get on PC. I wasn't getting anything different out of it. I'd already played this game like uh, exceptions I've made to this. Um, like or games that I've gotten on like Xbox and then on PlayStation or PlayStation Jesus on PC later um, would be like uh, Elder Scrolls games. Uh, because at least, you know, when they released on the 360, we didn't have console mod support or Xbox One. No, it was all 360. Yeah. Never mind. Uh, I was like, or Xbox One, but I mean, they do have some mod support now, but it's very limited mod support uh, compared to PC. Yeah, and it's like specific games that have access to it. Uh huh. Um. So like, yeah. And now I'm a full time PC gamer with a little bit of uh, Switch on the side because you know you got to have your side girl, um, <laughs> somebody that you can lay in bed with. I can't lay in bed with my PC. <laughs> <laughs> That's where uh, the Steam Deck comes in. Ah, there you go, Dylan. <laughs> Jokes on you. My setup's right next to my piece, or to my bed. <laughs> I mean, look, I could absolutely controller in my bed, but way is it way easier to just like have a switch? Yes. Yeah. Or a Steam Deck. Yeah, I, I will. I will allow the Steam Deck to share space with the Switch. I mean, to be fair to the Switch, the Steam Deck is a lot heavier. But uh. To be fair to the Steam Deck, it can emulate the Switch. <laughs> also, to be very fair to the Steam Deck, I bet it doesn't give you carpal tunnel just holding it because that Switch oh, no. was de clearly designed for like twelve-year-olds. Yeah, whereas the Steam Deck like is very comfy in the hand. Yeah, I could play it long term. Uh, 
But let me let me finish my thought about the the master collection yeah, we here. It's just like, like veil. <laughs> I there's a lot of hot takes online about like shaming Konami uh for not like doing more with it. Like like they were expecting like it to be retextured or some bullshit, right? And it's like no, I don't expect that, right? When you remaster a game for a modern console that was on an old console, what I really expect is can I get it to work on my really nice fancy 4k tv and it's not like all tearing and uh it looks wrong and it actually plays well and smoothly right at the original mm-hmm. frame rate. you hit every corner of the architecture with a hammer right um and what we got instead right was uh a- abysmal pc and switch version right um good old 420p or 480p hideo kojima's name removed from the end credits not the intro oh wait really yeah, so in the intro, it'll flash on screen a Hideo Kojima game because he put that shit in the cutscenes like a fucking watermark, right? Well, in fairness to Kojima, um, or in fairness to Konami, Kojima might have asked his name to be pulled from the credits. Okay, that's He's true. We really true. don't know. Yeah. He, Fair. Like, I, I from it, what but... I've seen of Kojima, he is, uh, like, when it comes to Konami, he is resentful enough he would do that. Right. So I don't know if he wanted know. it or not. I, but I, uh, I don't know if he did or not. I'm they removed but his name from the end credits. They they removed at least one uh, Easter egg involving his name. Um, in oh. Metal Gear Solid 2, when you type your name in for write-in, if you type in Hideo Kojima, something happens. Um, they <laughs> Right. Um, it is, for Metal Gear Solid 2, uh, they did not include the minigames from Substance, the re-release, right? Um, oh, wow. Which Don't includes know. the skateboarding minigame and the, the Snake Tails, which were really cool. <laughs> That seems so much like that seems easier to do than not to do. Uh, right. Um, gosh, what else? They uh, they added Snake's Revenge, which feels a little disrespectful. So Snake's Revenge was the original uh, sequel to Metal Gear 1 uh, that yeah. was not made by Kojima. And then they made Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake, which was made by Kojima. And most people think of Snake's Revenge as not canon whatsoever. Right. But they added that to the collection. <laughs> were they just fishing for things to add i don't fucking know right um and there's other things they could have added that would have been like worth doing but well right. i mean when you've when you're saving so much space by making it 720 instead of at least 1080 you can fit a whole nother game in there are they oh, saving fuck. space the no, cartridge no, 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 no. For, the cartridge for the switch only had metal gear one metal gear two and snake's revenge it didn't have any of the solid games you had to download those in an update well, no, even, oh, okay. even worse than that, uh, I think for the other consoles and for PC, you're not even buying, like, the games. You're buying, like, a suite that allows you to then download the games. Well, and they're I mean, sized in the many gigs. They're bigger than the original it, ISOs. It, and they're not even on the disc. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty standard now, though, to, like, but it's, purchase it's a, a game disc. and not get a game. It's a Blu-ray disc with, like, eight mags on it. <laughs> That's not that unusual. <laughs> That's uh, so wasteful. Why would they do it that? It is very wasteful. Um, that hurts my soul, dude. I know. And it's like, I was looking forward to the remasters because I want a convenient way to play these old games on my TV. And I thought, oh yeah, well, getting it on PS5 would be th- would be it. I'm not so sure anymore. Also, um, more life updates for me, right? So I, I have the Steam Deck, right? I love it. I've talked about it before. What I have now that it, I did not have before that is new is I have a dock. 
I have a dock for my Steam Deck. I took it with me uh, on vacation to Chicago. Uh, I hooked it up in my hotel room. It was fucking awesome. Uh, it's you now in my living room. You almost said the accent. <laughs> I know. Uh, I'm not from there. I, I just assume they talk like that there. I have no idea why. Um, but what's it called? Um, so I got the dock. It's in my living room now. And I, I'm using it for like the most shameful reason. You're going to hate me when I say this, Vic. But get this, right? So... You know how Destiny's uh, computer is in the living room for VR and stuff? Like, I've mentioned this before. Mm-hmm. We got her um, a pre-built because it was the only way to get the 30 series graphics cards at the time. So she has a 3060 and a pre-built PC that's in a very small case, right? We use it for VR, and it works great. However, uh, all of our attempts to use Bluetooth for peripherals like Xbox controllers and mice and keyboards don't work. They just they don't work at enough range. You gotta be too, you gotta be like right next to the fucking thing for it to work. I yeah. tried adding a USB dongle to expand the Bluetooth range, right? Use like the, the most recent version of Bluetooth and all this shit. Yeah. It doesn't fucking help. And so I got sick of it because I'm currently playing through the new cyberpunk DLC. Right. And so I was like, all right, uh, well, when we were in Chicago, uh, I, I played on the steam deck and it was fine. But the hotel TV was like 720p, right? So, like, of course it looked fine because uh, <laughs> I was on the Steam Deck graphics and it was fine. Sure. Um, so the Steam Deck is capable of um, something really cool that you may have used before called Steam Play. Um, they used to sell these little, like, TV dongle things that that did it. Um, but it's just part of Steam now, right? And you can, use, you can do this on your computer, too. Basically, if you log into your account on multiple computers and set up remote play, right? Uh, when they're both on at the same time, one can stream to the other. And when you're home on your local network, there's no bottlenecks. There's no internet involved, right? Um, so the Steam Deck has very great wireless capabilities. So I can sit on my couch with an Xbox controller, but I'm not playing the game on my Steam Deck. I'm using Steam Play to play it on a PC in the same room that has a graphics card the size of the fucking Steam Deck, right? God damn it. And so it's actually uh, working flawlessly. It is very pretty, right? Uh, running at full frames and all that shit. But like, I am using my Xbox controller on my couch, connected to my Steam Deck, which is docked to the TV, connected to a computer that is also connected to the TV that is on at the same time to stream the goddamn game. And I mean, that sounds like a bunch of extra steps, but consider also... At any time, I can undock the Steam Deck and walk into the bathroom, and it's still playing off that PC, because it's wireless. What you've basically done is you have created the Switch. Did I? You've, you've effectively created the Switch. Yeah, you, you do the same thing with the Switch. You can be playing it on your TV, you pull it out of the dock, and all of a sudden it's on the, the little screen on the Switch again. Yeah, and it's the same game. You, it's you've just effectively, as good, yeah. You've effectively yeah. turned the, uh, the Steam Deck into the Switch. Kinda. Yeah. Actually, and you know what? And because of this, Dylan is the sole reason for this. This is why Nintendo's making Switch too, right? Yeah, probably. To compete with Dylan's uh, monstrosity. I mean, the 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 Steam Deck is already capable of emulating the Switch. I've seen people play yeah. like Tears of the Kingdom with like mods on well, their Steam Deck. Well, that's the only deck. way to play like Tears of the Kingdom with no like uh, graphical or not graphical performance uh, degradation. It, I think it only does that on the old the old switches though. Like I think it works okay on newer ones, but but I mean, well, it works fine. It but it does have like frame dips and stuff because it has no like loading screens. 
it's fine. It's not like it's an amazing thing that they've accomplished with it. I'm not taking away from that. I feel like Tears of the Kingdom actually ran better for me on my I think it's like a second or maybe third gen switch. Hard to say really. They didn't buy it right at launch, but it was like within a year. Um and uh the original Breath of the Wild was a fucking nightmare. There was certain times where I was sitting there at five frames a second, just fucking hoping and praying it was like a non combat zone. Um but Tears of the Kingdom, I don't think I ever dipped that hard. Definitely some places that it happens where you get some hiccups, but But yes. Um yeah, no, um I've Sorry, every time you were saying dongle, though, Dylan, I just did not. <laughs> I got dongles on dongles. They didn't yeah, work. No. <laughs> Tech companies should not be allowed to name their product. Should be like a peer thing. They, they, they got to get a vote from the public. Dongle is a great name, you know, and there are all <laughs> kinds of, there are, you know, tons of different sizes of dongle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my my work laptop is a uh, a MacBook, and its only ports are two USB C ports on one side, and so it's like it came with a dongle to do all the things, uh, and it sucks ass actually. <laughs> I showed you my dongle. Please respond. <laughs> <sighs> Fucking dongles, man. <laughs> At least they're not Lightning connectors. I was tired of the dongle life and I was like, we're just going to do fucking Steam play because her computer is hooked up to my network with a cable and then the Steam Deck is on the Wi-Fi. It's Wi-Fi 6 with the latest Orbi router because it's nice and, you know, works real fucking well, actually. Like, and it's encouraging because it's like, okay, so she's going to be using Windows forever because she's she's just in the Linux and that's fine. It's fair and valid, right? Probably doesn't have a time, enough time to sit down and like really dig into it either. Right. And I had to fix it up for her if we ever did. I mean, she's willing to switch if they really fuck it up. Uh, but she doesn't know how bad Windows 11 is yet. <laughs> she's still on Windows 10. But um, her computer is really just an entertainment console. Like, she doesn't really browse stuff on it because it's hooked up to living room TV its whole life, right? So it's like, it has a very specific purpose. And I'm fine with that. But it's got me thinking. Well... All my games work right now, but, you know, that wasn't always true. And there'll be games that come out that just won't have Linux support out the gate. But, like, I could just stream it to a computer that's running Windows. You could. And that gives me a lot of confidence. Because, like, now that I've got the Steam Deck working and I've been playing a lot of games on it, like, I'm looking at my personal computer like, hmm, I really only turn this thing on when we do the podcast. Now, I can stream to this thing, too. Uh, And I have, you know, I have a 1070, which is... Also, just about as big as the damn Steam Deck. Um, but like just having a dedicated computer that's not the Steam Deck, even if the graphics card isn't as capable as the onboard Steam Deck graphics, uh, having another computer do it for you and send you the data over the home internet streaming is uh, a lot better on your battery life, <laughs> right? Um, as you could probably imagine, because all it is is playing the thing for you and sending your inputs back and forth. It's not rendering yeah. it too. Uh, you're offloading that to another computer. That's the same reason why a lot of streamers will have two PCs. Like, um, yeah, most popular streamers are going to have two big chungus fucking PCs doing it, right? But, like, you could get started with a, with some cheap ones, right? Just offloading it the, the work to a second machine, like, makes a big difference in what you can do. So you have your gaming PC render the game, and you have another PC that has some kind of graphics card and is doing your streaming rendering part, right? Your OBS whatever it's like it's like a cat it's like the capture card thing that you do but for your own computer onto another computer right you could probably imagine how like nice that would be because 
your gaming computer no longer has to support OBS with its resources. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's the ultimate dream to eventually mm-hmm. have something like that going. So I'm looking at my computer like, hmm, I wouldn't lose anything if I fucking did it all over again. Because, like, the version uh, that I'm running right now of Linux is this, like, gamer Linux called Nobara. So there's this guy named Glorious Eggroll. He makes his own Proton Fork that's really popular. Anybody that has a Steam Deck or played games on Linux has definitely heard of this guy, right? Um, he's the reason I was able to play Warframe as early in the Linux journey as I was. Uh, because he made a bunch of fixes that made it happen. So that's really awesome. And uh, this OS is basically his fork of uh, another popular one. Um, and it's all to his liking. And it's fine. However, the default ISO image for Nobara Linux has a desktop environment called GNOME, which is normally fine. <laughs> Normally, <laughs> uh, no. Uh, so the GNOME desktop environment is run by a bunch of psychos, and I don't like them, right? And it's like, oh, I don't want to keep using it. It feels yeah. wrong, right? So when I say desktop environment, I, I know I've explained this to Rick in a recent episode, probably one of the ones you missed, victim. But let me just reiterate it for yeah. the audience and first-time listeners alike, right? So in Linux, you can swap all your components out in the software. It's free and open source. It's awesome. So let's let's take something familiar like Windows, right? And uh, you remember like Windows 7? Everyone liked Windows 7. It had like the start button in a certain way. The start button had a certain things in it. And like things had a certain look, right? But then when they released Windows 8, it was all fucking different. You know what I mean? Yep. Like the start menu was like a full screen thing. All the apps were flat and square and pointy. Um, so Windows 7... Uh, was just an improved version of Windows Vista. And they had what is effectively a desktop environment called Windows Aero, A-E-R-O. And then Windows 8 used Windows Metro, M-E-T-R-O, right? And then Windows 10 is like an improved version of Metro, I guess, right? Um, So that's just kind of how those things evolve. But like, imagine you install Windows on your computer and then you pick out of a fucking list. Do you want Windows Aero or Windows Metro or whatever the fuck Windows 11 is, right? Um, I mean, yeah, everyone's probably going to pick Arrow because it was a favorite, but under the hood, it's all the latest Windows. Like, who wouldn't pick that, right? So that's kind of how life is like on Linux when you have multiple desktop environments. They're all maintained by volunteers and companies and nonprofit organizations, whatever have you. Um, But you could pick whichever one you want and have all the latest software up to date on a secure machine, right? if you wanted it to look like Windows XP, you could, <laughs> right? Whereas Windows, you don't really have much of a choice. So uh, I bring it up because there's a really popular desktop environment called GNOME. My current OS defaults to this, and uh, the GNOME Foundation is run by fucking psychopaths. So um, they these these people are like really toxic, and they they tear other people down, and it's just really nasty. And uh, oh, they sound <laughs> like Minecraft modders. What? Oh, Minecraft <laughs> modders. I know a few. Yeah. Sorry. <clears throat> so yeah. The, the most recent controversy, just to give you an idea of what these people are like, right? The most recent controversy with GNOME is that they have a new um, ED. I forget what that stands for. Executive director, exclusive director, uh, something. It's the person at the top. A new yeah. top person. It's not a CEO because it's a nonprofit foundation, right? But it's um, a something or other. And uh, so... 
So I got to give a shout out to Brian Lunduk for kind of breaking the story, right? I don't like read too many of his articles, but sometimes I, I tune in. And uh, uh, what he did was he he like exposed the fucking ED for for Gnome. Uh, basically, they made the announcement and like this is the person we're hiring, right? Uh, and then he looks this person up on LinkedIn, finds out she's like a professional shaman. It has like a course oh, no. online that you can take to become a shaman. Like this is not a religion. This is a profession, right? Um, and it's like, huh, that's weird. Uh, and now you don't need to have any knowledge of technology to sell technology, right? I get it. However, this person does not seem very qualified. Uh, and he pointed this out in an article. And then... Um, what happened was is she took down like she privated her LinkedIn and took down all references online of her website and her courses and all that stuff about being a professional shaman. Right. Um, and <laughs> then there was a hit piece from the register. Cause of course, right. Yeah. That points out that people like Brian Lunduke were upset, but like he wasn't upset. He was like holding back laughter really um, at pointing this shit out. And it's like, how are you going to do that? And we're not going to like fucking make fun of you. Like you sound like a scam artist. Like if you were like a genuine snake oil salesman and you got hired to be the, uh, the fucking like, I don't know, executive director of fucking Minecraft. Right. You think people would make, figure that out and make fun of you? Like, <laughs> I mean, yes, with every yes, install, you get some free Shungite. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't see the problem, Dylan. It's free Shungite, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Probably get some. Probably get some per- perfume that uh, I don't know gives you better fertility. <laughs> and in, yeah. in my own defense, though, like I don't normally use Gnome. I've been using KDE, which is their most popular competitor, uh, for a long, long time. Um, don't know if I'll go back to it or use something different, but uh, I'm thinking about switching because. Um, there's a new version of this OS and I don't want to reinstall everything, which is what it would take to update. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so it's like, I should look at other options and move to that and, um, leave this gnome stuff behind. So I'm probably going to do Linux mint. It's been a while since I used mint. Uh, it's a very popular user-friendly. I, I, it needs to be user-friendly because I don't want to bring work home for me. Like I don't want to maintain my own computer because it keeps fucking breaking. Right. It doesn't. Uh, and this OS has been fine. It's just out of date now, and I, I need to update it. So I'm going to go to Mint, and I'm either going to use Cinnamon, which is their own desktop environment that is a fork of GNOME and has nothing to do with those psychos, or I will do fucking something else. And it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll but be um, another example of, of the GNOME, it's not the GNOME Foundation, but there is people who maintain GNOME. I only know this because they're on the Fetty. Um, they got involved with a project called Glimpse, right? Which I have, have you heard of GIMP, the GNU image manipulation program? It's a Photoshop competitor. Um, Well, there's a bunch of people, including this one asshole from the Gnome Foundation, who thinks that uh, that's a slur and you shouldn't call it that. And so they made a fork of the GIMP project and they called it Glimpse. They have a, they got a logo. They got funding from somewhere. They won't say where, but they, they promise they have it. They only eventually, they only recently fucking stopped, right? But for a while, they were maintaining a feature parity fork. They weren't developing anything. They were just backporting all of the upstream stuff, right? Um, oh god! All they really did was change the logo and the name, and they removed a couple of brushes 
that were like jokes. One of them is the the green pepper. So Um, they stole, they basically stole GIMP and called it something else. It's not stealing, it's free software, but right but yes sorry they plagiarize <laughs> this would be plagiarism not yeah it's not plagiarism, it, it, you can't plagiarize closer. free software you absolutely um, can i can no if you, can you plagiarize cannot. my papers by writing what i write even though i didn't <laughs> like that's plagiarism it well, does, i didn't say that it's, they could get in trouble for it legally right because so, like plagiarizing at school is different than plagiarizing, you know, a New York Times well, article. You can kind of plagiarize free open source. I have an example for you. So um, what they did was totally legal and also morally okay. They're just cringe for doing it. Yeah, right? oh, just cringe for doing it. But there's a thing called a license, right? Uh, and these open source projects will often have a very specific license, such as the GPL. I don't remember what that stands for. I think it's like GNU general public license uh and then there's another one called the mit license as in the college um there's a few others that are pretty popular um but one thing that these licenses all have in common is a set of rules that say hey you can fork this and like go your own direction with it you can even backport some of the stuff that you made that is unique to your thing because you think i should have it right however you need to keep the version history and you need to be open and transparent about this being a fork of my thing Right. Well, right. Like they, so like third parties and they work. for D and D do it <laughs> okay. as well. Like you have to have it at the opening part of the book before, like basically anything else is that you know using the OpenGL license kind of thing. Same idea, right? Yeah. Now I have an example of someone not following those rules. Uh, Truth Social <laughs> um, is yeah. a fork of Mastodon, but they did not disclose that at the start. They made it sound like they made their own thing um, when they did not. They forked Mastodon and they uh, dragged their feet on announcing it and releasing access to their code base, right? Uh, Gab did the same thing, right? Where they they had forked Mastodon and they weren't really forthcoming about it. And they did the bare minimum to let you see their source code. That it's like It was like a zip file you could download from their webpage somewhere that was like sometimes up and down, right? It was super sketchy, right? Normally, this shit's tracked in a, a Git repository like GitHub or a website you host yourself that it's like that. Um, and it's usually really easy to see version history and commits. Like these glimpse people were not passing off the GIMP work as their own. And it, it was just obvious that they weren't really doing anything to make the thing better. It was just a name change and a coat of paint. And it's like it, for ideological reasons. And it was so cringe. It's like, who's paying you to do this? Like, really? You don't offer anything new and exciting. And then their fork died. They they stopped maintaining it. Not surprised. Yeah. Honestly, like their project was doomed from the start because they didn't offer anything new or exciting. When you fork software, typically you have to have some kind of vision, some kind of reason why you're making a new thing based on the old thing instead of contributing to the old thing, right? Because sometimes that's the appropriate action to take, right? Um, and it shouldn't be for ideological reasons. It's usually for governance reasons uh, or um, because the new thing that you want to add is so different that it warrants a fork. Like there's a fork of, I think it's Soapbox. It's a Fediverse software, right? Uh, called, I, I think it's Mitra. It's, think for think uh, Shin Megami Tensei. It's like that uh, Zoroastrian deity thing, Mitra. Oh, um, okay. I, is it Mitra? I, I think I'm butchering the pronunciation, but it's a it's a fork of soapbox that is yeah. basically just soapbox, but it adds like some like Ethereum cryptocurrency bullshit, and apparently it works really well. But I don't I don't deal with Ethereum at all. 
So it's like, I have to take their word for it that it works great. But um, yeah, they added a thing that is like totally different than what the project stands for. And it does not belong in the, in the base code. That's fine. That's what forking is for. That's yeah. great. It actually right? reminds me too. Cause like, it, I, I think I actually found enough. I think it was at a writing workshop that I heard this, but I think it, I think it's applicable here. It's like, you, you shouldn't really be developing anything or creating anything if your sole purpose is to just create the next thing of something. So, like, I don't know, let's say, like, you, you want to make the next MMO, but it's just World of Warcraft 2 without mm. it being called World of Warcraft 2. It's like, nobody's going to play that. World of Warcraft's right there. Nobody's going nobody's to play that. They're going to try it. It's going to crash and burn within, like, a year, and World of Warcraft's still going to thrive. Yeah, right. like if, if you're gonna go make uh, if you're gonna go make anime Harry Potter, no one's gonna give a shit. But make it with a dude with muscles, and it's gonna be funny as fuck, right? Yeah, you, like, you, gotta, <laughs> you gotta add something. There has it, it's right. the, you need you need a rationale and a reasoning for someone to like your thing over the other. And usually, it's pretty simple. And fuck, we live in a world where people watch like the next romance anime with like a slightly different gimmick. But like, you can get away with it if you do something very minorly different. But so. I assume it's probably the same thing with, with this software development stuff, too. Yeah. I mean, with, with something you consume, like media, it's a little bit different because, like, uh, I can imagine there, there are fans of, like, the isekai genre that they, they know it's derivative, right? But, like, they've already Anime finished all their favorite shows. Beast. Yeah. But, they've already <laughs> finished all their favorite shows, maybe sometimes multiple times over, and they want something similar that's new. And it's like they're just chasing the dragon, man. They're just, like... It's the best way they can experience the thing for the first time again, right? It's the closest they're going to get, even yeah. though the shows are fucking the same. <laughs> and they eat it up. Whereas with software, it's like, it's a tool. So it's usually rooted in usefulness. Like, I take another yeah. example, uh, Chrome, right? Google Chrome. Uh, Google would love you if you used it because they get to spy on everything you're doing. Uh, but the engine of Chrome is a piece of open source software. Uh, usually referred to as Chromium, right? Which, as a web browser, you can straight up install. Doesn't have Google involved. They they definitely fund its development though, right? But it's still open source, meaning other companies like Brave, uh, Opera, uh, Microsoft, right? They all have these forks of Chromium, so they have the same engine under the hood. That's why all those web browsers kind of like load quickly and it looks the same on the web page. But like everything around it is all different. Right. Like Opera GX adds a bunch of like bells and whistles and toggles and gauges and fun and colors. RGB. Right. Woo, fun RGB. colors. Woo. Um, but like in Brave adds a bunch of like ad blocking and uh, cryptocurrency bullshit and a bunch of weird shit. And it's kind of scummy. A story for another day. Uh, and then Microsoft, you know, they, they started adding their generative AI uh, Bing. Right. It's like Clippy 2.0 into the into the web browser um but like under the hood it's all the same thing right it's that same open source project they all forked and uh google and microsoft and others they all donate to the project google is definitely the majority donator they probably have some level of governance over it however uh google can't inherently just spy on you because you use a chromium based browser they just know like backdoor it, it it's open source like anyone can go review it and if someone tried to add a back door they'd all see it and be like what the fuck's this like no <laughs> put that in chrome like google chrome and then they do because you can't see that source code <laughs> yep right that's just kind of how that shit works and so like i get it 
How did I get on this tangent about forks? <laughs> you were talking about Linux originally. Yeah, you were talking yeah, basically you were talking about Linux, and then you went off on. Uh, oh, I was talking how about those GNOME. guys were right. Yeah, so... technically stealing it, and because or plagiarizing because they bothered to put the legal framework at the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. So there's there's 100 nothing wrong with Nobara Linux. Uh, I just don't like how GNOME is the default. Now he, there is an ISO. When I did it, the, when I did my install, maybe it's changed. I haven't looked at the website where there was an option to not have GNOME, but I didn't want to deviate from the defaults because I was looking for something simple, right? And also, Nobara Linux comes with a very customized fucking GNOME experience. It looks like Cinnamon Desktop. Uh, it's like not the default at all, not what the GNOME devs envisioned, which I like that. But um, I don't want to support them at all. So it's like, well. I don't know if I'll install Nobara Linux a second time. I there's nothing wrong with it. It was great, uh, but I just I just get this these itchy fingers where it's like I just want to try everything for Linux because it's like I really like configuring software, using it not so much. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it feels like sometimes. And now that I have the Steam Deck and I have a really comfy setup with the living room, the dock, the handheld, like I feel like I I'm open to uh, trying and breaking stuff with the PC. And once we go on hiatus for our winter break with the podcast, this is a perfect time to do it because, like, I could lose everything and not really lose anything. I'll back up my files, don't worry. But, like, if I did this tomorrow and I broke something, well, this episode ain't getting edited in a reasonable amount of time, right? So that's where my head's at with that. I'm also, like, in general, just kind of behind on my my computer maintenance because, like, I've been putting off, like, changing my OS and updating it like for a while and you know what else i've been holding off on the fucking forum <laughs> dude when i logged in this afternoon to get ready for this episode mailmancy.net had expired like four hours prior i totally okay. missed it yeah i renewed it it's fine now but like um so I, I renewed that and then the forum uh when i renewed mailmancy.cafe uh, which expired uh, like a month or two ago um gandhi our domain registrar uh, that's Gandhi spelled not like the dude. Um, they changed their, their email service such that uh, I used to get free email service, like a couple of accounts for every domain, which is yeah. how uh, you previously had email through me and Sarge had email through me. Um, when I bought Melomancy.cafe, I got a free email box and I, I named it Argus because of course I did, right? Uh, the real ones know the reference. Um, and that's the email address that emails you when you sign up on the forum. Uh, now, <laughs> I wasn't going to pay fucking $37 a year for Argus at Melomancy.cafe, the email address, because it's not free anymore. So I let it, I let that lapse, but that broke registrations on the form. I've just fixed it today. So registrations are now open if you want to go sign up. Uh, the forum, again, I'm in it for the long term, but uh, it's also needing of an update. It's running Flarum version like 1.5, but like version 1.8 is out. And it's the last 1.x version they're going to have. The next one they're making is 2.0. It's going to be a big overhaul. So it's like... I'm actually surprised they're still like going hard with it. Damn. I yeah, If open source software, it's the, it's the future, man. Um, so it's like, do I wait for 2.0? Is that going to be a problem? Should I update to 1.8 anyway, just so the, the eventual jump to 2.0 is smooth? I don't fucking know. I've never updated it. I set it up once and I never went back. Like... <laughs> Like I would have to do a bunch of backups and it would be uh, a very stressful afternoon if I fucked it up. So I'm kind of like hesitant because it works fine. There's just nobody on it. 
<laughs> to be fair, it, it might it might even be more stressful later on down the road. <laughs> I know. Like I uh, I'm not saving myself any I'm not doing myself any favors by stalling, that's for sure. But like I, I plan to address it during the winter break as well, because I'll have lots of time. The forum has to be down for a couple of days, so be it, it'll be fine. But uh it will come back with a vengeance. Um but yeah, I guess that's just a real roundabout way to say the Steam Deck is going great, and I totally am so glad I fucking bought it. Like, 10 out of 10. Seriously. I just got all my emulators installed, so I've been uh, dabbling with that. Um, I mentioned to Rick, but uh, Vic, you haven't been around these last couple episodes. I've been doing an Armor Core marathon, right? Ah, good, good. So I beat Armor Core 6. Uh, our last episode is actually a big, long, like, spoiler breakdown. Since you weren't around, we were like, this is a good opportunity to do, like, a big, long spoiler take because uh, I don't think you've played it yet. Um, and I think you should. It was really good. Oh, yeah, I, I mean, it's on the table. Uh, once the Noah Baldur's Gate 3, I'm going to finally try to get back to streaming. I think, I think, I, I think I'm good time-wise. It'll probably be, like, shorter streams and probably not five days a week. To be fair, mm-hmm. I hardly ever did five days a week before anyways, but I'm going to try to do five days a week. Uh, and I'm going to get to Xenoblade 3, uh, Armor Core, and I have one other in mind, and I can't remember what it was right now. I think you should do Armor Core first, just because it's way shorter, for one. right? You get to play through it three times, but it's not that long. So like, you can get through it in a couple streams, I think. Uh, a couple long streams. If you're doing short streams, it might be like a, a week or two, right? Um okay. But, like, you have to play through it three times. You should definitely watch every single cutscene. There are not that many. Um, but it'll be over before you know it, and then you'll miss it. That's what happened to yep. me. <laughs> well, <laughs> and... I was going to say, so if you're, like, we're going to use me as an example, because obviously I'm not nearly as, in. I'm not as good at this type of game as, uh, you know, you probably are. Cause I got the I experience. <laughs> well, I mean, in fairness, they we can say Armor Core is not the same, but like Armor Core Six is the most Souls-like of all the Armor Cores. That's fair. Um, which is fine because, like, if they made Armor Core One again and kept all the same mechanics, like we left all that shit behind, in, like a lot of that shit behind in the '90s for a reason. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, it is a more objectively more fun game. Um, to be able to repair a little bit or to be able to just get back in instead of having to start the mission entirely over again and getting stuck with a bill every time you die. <laughs> yeah, it is objectively more fun to be speedier and our attention spans have gotten shorter as a whole anyways, too. Mm-hmm. But um, like I proved that you can Elden Ring your way through the game by just like getting good instead of like changing up your build. So if you find something you like, you can just stick with it until you just do the boss better. Also, Vic, ya boy, Griffin Burns, voices a very popular character that uh, shows up in a lot of the cutscenes uh, named Iguazu. Okay. He's like a, kind of a rival, kind of comic well, relief, kind of not. He, it's complicated. He he's a rival. <laughs> <laughs> but ya, it's your boy, Griffin Burns. Playing one of the best characters in the game. <laughs> all, as with all other characters that aren't uh, the protagonist in any of the uh, Armored Core games, they pale in comparison to your might. Exactly. Well, canonically. Obviously, in the reality is you might get your ass beat over and over again. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
actually armor core six in general has a great voice cast it reminded me a lot of damon x machina and i don't know why i, I mentioned it before but vic I, I, you're here now i'm gonna say it again um I really don't respect fucking Armored Core fans that shit on Damon X Machina. They'll be like, it's like baby Armored Core or it's like Armored Core for weebs because like they just hated the story. But like the story was fine. Like, yeah, it was a little awkward written, but like it was fine. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. All right. We don't get any Armored Core for 10 years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck would you shit on the game? Unless it was quality wise, just abysmal not worth playing like it's like yo guys don't this isn't the next armor core don't touch it it's bad but that's not that is I, i've seen it too that's not the that's not the argument that ever comes up that's, that's not what anyone ever says and it's like yeah sure like you're a little floaty like it kind of like armor core 4 right um versus armor core 6 but in damon x machina like you could get out of your mech and shoot people as a dude on the ground it's honestly i, Th- I that's think- cool <laughs> Damon X Machina. If you want, if you want to call it armor, the the, the armor core snack, quote unquote. Sure, it, it is an armor core. It, it tried to be a little bit different. Uh, I mean, even just getting in your mech is pretty different. Um, but it's still more armor core, especially right. where it took six so long to come out, and six is probably still a relatively short game because I mean, let's just be real. Uh, front to back, if you know what you're doing, all the armor core games were kind of short. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those moments where, like, that's it's just a weird, it's a weird criticism. Yeah. If I ever get the Steam version, I would absolutely play it again. It's on my wish list. It's pretty highly ranked. Or it's weird, sorry, not a weird criticism. It's weird to hate it. I guess right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it it had a lot going for it that made Armored Core special, and I feel like I have a, authority in this subject because I've played so fucking many of them, right? But like, it had weird mysticism. It had malicious AI. You know, it, it had a lot of the hallmarks of an Armored Core story. It even had a mysterious red substance that powered the world. Like, that that's an Armored Core 6 thing that was in David Nixamakita first, just saying. Yep. But, like, um, what did I mean, they to know? be fair, and, that's not a new plot line for anything, but yeah, either. And it, it was made by the same dude that made Armored Core 3, which yeah. many regard as one of the best ones they ever made. It's yeah, like, I, I, I don't I get the hate. That. I don't get the hate. And um, so... In Armored Core 6, you play through it three times, and uh, you'll see why when you get there. But you, you play through it three times. Um, in Damon X Machina, it's just one playthrough. However, there are like hard mode missions and missions that are worth replaying for salvage, for parts. And they're fun because they're short. Like, there'll be like boss missions that are like extended or like in- require online co op, which is a thing Armored Core 6 doesn't have, right? Online co op. Uh, Damon X Machina had online co-op. Damon X Machina, like, feature for feature, it has more going for it than Armored Core 6 ever did, actually, right? But Armored Core 6 is, like, special uh, in a good way. So, like, I, I don't want to compare the two for much, for too long, but, like, people keep putting down Damon X Machina when they shouldn't. I yeah, look just, forward to Damon X Machina too. It just doesn't make sense to me. It's, like, it, it's, it's literally more of what people always wanted and your in your first like knee jerk reaction is to like nitpick it. It's like, come on, man. Also, they had a bunch of voice actors from Fire Emblem that you probably recognize too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> it's different. It's different to not like it, and it's different to like have some criticisms where you hope the second game you know improves. But a lot of times, that's just not what it is. There's a, there's a lot of people that are like, it's not Armored Core, and so I, I hate it. It's like, come on, man. 
In fact, the there, there's this guy that talks to you the most in Armor Core 6. His name's Handler Walter, right? His voice actor is also in Dame X Wakina. <laughs> hey, let's go. Freaking switch teams. Frumsoft's <laughs> probably also fucking happy that it that Damon X Machina exists too. Is the funny thing. Yeah, without Damon X Machina, like uh, I don't know if there'd be an appetite for Armor Core. You know, yeah, they like, it, they definitely drummed up some of that hype again because how many fucking people have just forgotten about it? Right. Even hardcore fans probably you know it was one of those ones where they're like, oh yeah, Armor Core. I loved that game as a kid. You know, like that's probably all anyone <laughs> ever thought about, right? So. I'm also really excited to to watch your Xenoblade playthrough. I've been waiting for that. <laughs> yeah, I, that's a long time coming, honestly. Jesus, I I, I bought it when it came out, like a, a couple weeks after mm-hmm. it came out, and it's just been sitting there. It's so great, like it's gonna change your life. Um, and I'm talking about the base game. Like, I also look forward to you playing through the DLC because I know you you know enough about the franchise. I'm, I'm more excited three, for the DLC. Like, yeah, weirdly, you got to beat three first. Yeah, exactly. Also, like, since the DLC is all out now while you're playing three, like, just like when you were playing two, you could do like the challenge arena, unlock the alternate costumes. I did not go back for that. Um, I... in, in, in two, I went back for it uh, because like I didn't buy two and it was new. I, I bought it kind of on a whim and uh, got into the franchise that way. Right. Yeah. Uh, which was really convenient. It was the same with Final Fantasy 15. Right. Like, I just. The DLC wasn't out yet, but it was like imminent and all the the launch hype was died had died down already. And so like it was like the perfect time. Like, the hype <laughs> is one word for it, yes. Yeah. Uh so you're you're in an interesting position to take full advantage of like the arena mode, getting all the alternate costumes if you want. Um not that there's a shortage of costumes because of the way the mechanics of three work. Like there's a a rigid like class system that encourages you to go master all the classes by making everyone spend time in the chair as the class you're leveling. And yeah. uh, by default, that changes their costume. But you could change that in the options menu to like set it to a costume of your choosing where that list will be populated with the classes you've mastered, right? Ooh, um, I like that. That's neat. I eventually turned that on because I, I like their default look uh, more than because some of it's kind of jarring because like uh, like main character dude and like main character girl, like seeing them in each other's costumes uh, was kind of weird. And oh. I mean, it's not like a, a dude in a girl's outfit. Don't get me wrong. It's like uh, appropriate for their, their body. But um, it didn't feel right. And it kept changing because I kept changing their classes. So I was like, OK, you're just going to statically get the default. Uh, and for go. a couple people, they had some standout classes. Like there was this one character in the party uh, who is the first one to get this class that's like a gunslinger sort of deal. And she looked really good in that outfit. Like, so I had her just stay in that one after I mastered it. And I never put her back in her old one. And it was fine. Uh, so you, you'll have a lot of those kind of options ahead of you. Um, but since you'll be playing after the challenge mode came out, um, you can tackle that and like get swimsuits and shit and alternate costumes and stuff, which is cool. Hell yeah. Twitch approved. Fuck yeah. Maybe. I might have to swap my category, but... Well, <laughs> hey, just uh, put uh, one of the... Uh, one of those uh, thought girls in front of it. You know, the ones that can do anything. Just yeah. put that in your thumbnail, and they'll they'll just not even notice. They'll just scroll by like, oh, that's a name around the stream. All right, cool, cool. Oh, well, there's a couple <laughs> of oh, these. Cyber oh, Wolf? Oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> Funny enough, Actually, I don't know if you guys saw that. Um, a little, a little detour, I guess. Um, Twitch made more action against the sniper wolf situation 
than YouTube did. <laughs> That's sad. And and YouTube, I, I saw YouTube's statement about what they did, and they had mentioned that they were They're unhappy both. with behavior on both sides, and it's like both sides. What what did um her victim do? I for, I forget. He, he had the audacity to bring it up. It's like. What rules did he break? Like, what None. are you well, about? He had mm-hmm. the audacity to show how poorly moderated she is. That it, that's what he did wrong. Yeah, haters gonna hate. It, it, it like I'll I'll be the first to say it. I I haven't seen anyone saying it. I'm sure the people the other people are, have said this. But what 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 he is doing is kind of cringe. At the end of the day, not not him calling her out. That that's perfectly acceptable. She is a, a piece of shit. But like you know, like spending months, you know, doing the he does this off YouTube thing where he or, or a second YouTube channel rather, where he like re- reacts to her content, tries to credit the people, and then does a bingo card about it, and it's all very clearly satire meant to like make fun of her. It's like okay, you want you want to call that cringe? There, there's some there's some lever- leverage to say that he doesn't have to be that like, I don't know, facetious is the right word for that. Like that's a little weird, but to be fair, she does deserve to be called out. She needs all the criticism she can get, and she realistically probably deserves to be off the platform now after what she did. Um, but I mean, that's that's not what she did. She, I think, she's even trying to sue him now or some shit. There was some rumors floating around that she, that she had a lawsuit being written up or something. Come on, man. But yeah, no, Twitch, Twitch took more action against her than uh, fucking YouTube did, and um. I heard what it was, but like Twitch just came up with like a billion new policies that are actually really good. Uh, surprisingly, really good. One of those moments where like everything that Twitch has done in the past year has been memed and and trended as being like a bad thing, and then this time it's like, wait, no, hold on, this is really good. <laughs> yeah, I think they they made it so you can simulcast now to any platform, so you could be on YouTube and Twitch at the same time, kind of the same way uh, Etika used to do it. I feel like they're desperate to stop kick, like with that decision there. Cause like, I don't know what the viewership looks like on kick these days. Cause I have not been to their website in a while. I will admit. Right. But they keep signing on more talent. I don't like where do they keep getting all this money. Like, holy shit. Like Good enough. I think that it didn't really grow a whole lot. Obviously like individuals, streamers, like, uh, like XQC probably uh, have their individual, but I don't know how much of like a spread that's given the website. I think that's what they hope for when mm. they do that, because that's what happened to the Microsoft platform. I guess it would uh, help if I actually looked that. at the numbers, but like I noticed the talent that they're targeting. They're they're targeting like podcasts. They're targeting like the just chatting streamers, the react yeah. to stuff streamers, not necessarily gamers, right? Which I think is fine. Like, could you imagine? And um, I think uh, I think our good friend Trio Doug may have mentioned this on Twitter before, so th- I might be stealing part of his take here. But like, imagine a world where Twitch was for video games. And all those hot tub streamers were were gone. They went to kick, right? Um, that would be good for Twitch, I think. The people that stayed, right? Yeah. They could just focus on video games again, and, and I we, think that would be good for Twitch, actually. And, and another thing, in <laughs> simulcast or even just stream on both platforms without any real issues or ramifications to their partnership yeah. or their affiliate or whatever, uh, they can go do their more raunchy stuff over there, and they can yeah. if they still want to play video games over here, be... they can. Like it doesn't even have to be raunchy stuff. It's like, I think there's room in this ecosystem for a streaming platform that's more about just people doing whatever the fuck they want. Like, yeah. streams of people walking around. Streams of people doing, like, bike courier shit, right? I don't know. Like, 
kick seems to be more appropriate for that kind of content. It's like there's no like weird background pressure to be into video games when you're on kick. Whereas yeah. on Twitch, it's like this is a gaming website that you can use for other things. Whereas kick is like a kind of an everything website for streaming. And I think there's room for that. I think YouTube expected to be that, but YouTube streaming sucks. <laughs> it would be nice if Kick tried to make its platform seem a bit more like. I don't, I don't know if brand safe is the right word because I, I don't want them to go like. Obviously, I don't. I don't. I don't want any platform to really be like hard ass about it. But I don't know. There's some things that I, happen on the platform I, that realistically you know, just shouldn't. Yeah, fair. But like, I I wonder if the concept of brand safe is a thing of the past. Like, ever since Musk bought Twitter, right? Um, Twitter has been kind of a hellscape, right? Yeah. However, every exodus of Twitter that we've seen, the people came back and Twitter is still like the default platform of text discussion, right? It is no because, well, there's nothing else that competes with it directly. And, like anything that tried to compete with it is just so much smaller. It's the, like the difference between uh, Microsoft and Apple. Yeah, right. Look. If I it's got just, 90% of the market, I don't give a shit what you do. Exactly. So it's like like Facebook, uh, now known as Meta, they had threads, which was like um, uh, an Instagram Mastodon server, basically. It's not a fork of Mastodon. It's their own thing. However, they do still plan to implement ActivityPub. However, does anybody use threads anymore? I don't know. Right. I think it lived and died in the same week. I mean, I know it's still around. Yeah, but like... <laughs> I think it Other lived and died in the same week as far as mm -hmm. popularity. And I, think they knew, I think they knew that was going to happen because they made it so you couldn't delete your account. So yeah. <laughs> I, I think funny enough, I think a lot of people do like threads for that, like interconnectivity thing. But realistically, that already exists. And then think of the Fediverse. Now, I love the Fediverse. It's my primary social media, right? But like um, all the little influencers that gave it a try, they went back or they just don't have a following there. Like take take George Takei, for example. Right. He's too stubborn to go back to Twitter. He's still on Mastodon. However, he doesn't have a very big following and his posts don't get that much traction because like, yeah, he's got a couple circle jerkers there that are like retweeting his cringe. Right. However, on Twitter before Musk, he had the power of the establishment algorithm pushing, you know, his words in front of all the eyeballs because that's what Twitter was for. Right. All he had to do was follow a bunch of accounts, and because he had that nice little check mark next to his name, and everyone knows who he is, regardless if you like him or not, you're probably like more likely to follow him back. Right, but like like Twitter was used to push propaganda before. Now it's just kind of like an open field, and it's very obvious that it's more neutral now. I mean, it feels like it's swung in the opposite direction, but really that's just because they're not restricting How people far anymore. Twitter, Twitter right. was originally, yeah. Yeah, like uh, recently, Musk uh, said he was going to. Um, sue the anti-defamation league for defamation and he, he pointed out how ironic that was because I mean, he alleges that uh, the adl caused their advertisers to pull out i mean the adl's just been t like sucking like hard like you know we we don't get very political here in the podcast but like it it's kind of weird if we don't mention you know the fact that we're kind of like on the cusp of maybe the largest Middle Eastern war ever. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, ADL was a big part of that on our, like in the U S being like, you need to get the story straight when, uh, like MSNBC was like tr saying that, Hey, you know, they are dead people like on either side of the border. And we're not out here saying Hamas is good. I don't think anybody 
was saying Hamas, you know, do good by killing lots of Israelis. Uh, but at the same time, like the Israeli carpet bombing thing, like it's weird that saying people dying is bad is bad to say. Like it, it's mm -hmm. weird. In the ADL, they came up recently in uh, what politics I do pay attention to for that for being like, no, only Israeli lives matter in this conflict. It's like, so imagine, right, if this happened before Elon bought Twitter, right, and the, the ADL could still censor people at will. Because that's what Elon is alleging it was happening, right? I mean, and, that's what they try to do, yeah. Yeah, and so he, what he's alleging in his, his tweet thread about possibly suing them is um, they, want, uh, they want the ability to um, basically, like, shadow ban ban accounts at will to basically let the advertisers back right uh and he's he's saying that that's not fair business which he would be right um yeah but it's it, the opposite it's of fair business but could you imagine if this uh if the israeli conflict that, that of happening today happened while the adl still had sway on twitter like the conversation would be totally different right no, we wouldn't we wouldn't even realize that palestine got a carpet bomb probably yeah <laughs> they would suppress it all uh, because they probably had the authority to do that, and that's really shitty. Yeah, and, unless someone like like an independent news source or something caught traction on another site like YouTube, and it didn't get silenced there, because uh, sometimes YouTube is fickle. Um, that would be the only way it would get out. It's the same story on TikTok. Uh, there's a lot of uh, takes on both sides, and the 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 two sides of of this conflict, uh, they're they're shills online. Um, they have to post volumes of content because the algorithm doesn't support either side, right? So they have yep. to drown you out with action and content and threats. Yeah. Whereas it's before, ugly. Before TikTok, right? Like on YouTube and on places like Twitter before Elon, they would have just suppressed the side that wasn't aligned with the government, right? It right. would have been so easy. Now people have to argue with each other and there's it, the, all they have to fight with is propaganda. And it's, really annoying uh but it's it, kind it of funny really is. <laughs> yeah well like you know on the uh, other side we've got like this whole uh, issue where no like independent journalists are being allowed into the conflict region um yeah. so we are literally dealing with propaganda machines and then you know up in um you know ukraine Zelensky's still like, hey, don't forget about me i because the u.s is funding his war basically right and it's like, yeah. um, oh, dude, he's I, yesterday news. He he should be panicking. I I think I'm I'm happier to be in a world where where people can just be wrong online, uh, uh, rather than one where you can only say the right thing online and everything else is just deleted. Right. If we could yes, tell misinformation at, at a at a at a moment's notice and it was like super obvious and it were had like I don't know some like super alien brain that could figure that shit out uh, right away. I would say, yeah, it's fine to like hard moderate, but the issue is that you can't, and well, that's not realistic. Weirdly, Elon's Twitter is like the only place that's easier to do that than anywhere else because the community moderates itself yeah. now, where they're like, oh, community, you know, like when uh, they tried to, uh, or which I forget, there was one that you showed me in Discord, uh, Dylan, a few weeks back. The where, community uh, notes. <laughs> yeah, the community notes where somebody said something about like. Um, I forget what they said it was about. It was, uh, but they'd said something. It was like IGN or somebody like that had said something about, um, you know, X, Y, or Z being true. And then the community notes were like, 
Oh, it was about uh, Final Fantasy being in Sony. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like uh, Final Fantasy tanking their shares or when it's not Final Fantasy. It was literally all the other things they published this year. Yeah, yeah it keeps coming up and it's so disingenuous. Like Final Fantasy 16, uh, like this month is like one of the highest selling PlayStation games still. Right. Um, and like Final Fantasy 16 in general, just like sold really well. But for Spoken and Marvel's Avengers were so abysmal that Square Enix is in trouble. But oh. everyone makes it sound like all the headlines say, oh, Final Fantasy 16 came out and Square Enix is at a loss. Well, the it's like fall, too. Was yeah, that other too. Flops. Yeah. And so everyone's trying to make it sound like Final Fantasy 16 like, is a bad game or didn't sell well. When really, it simply failed to save the company that was drowning. Right? Yeah. Yeah, Sony has had a bad year. And one phenomenal selling game does not make up for like four or five like hard, like bad, like hard games. Like like twenty percent of the population who played it were like, "This is an all right game," but nobody was out there being like, "Forspoken is a fantastic game." The only people who were saying that were like shilling identity politics to be like, "Oh well, you know this, you know." Th like you know your character being a minority and you can tell just from the beginning of where they talk about like you're not being like realistic in the first place it it still pisses me off man i wanted to i wanted to like that i was to a point where it's like i i was toning out people's like reviews i was like no i'm gonna go i this is i want to figure this one out for myself if it's dog shit i'm biting the bullet I'm really glad I didn't. <laughs> really yeah, glad. I was well, saying no, the same thing. I, I, well, I was super it, curious about trying it because I really like the Luminous engine, which is its maiden, yep. which is the same one they did Final Fantasy 15 in. Then, and it was the same team that made Final Fantasy 15, but without the director that had the vision, yeah. right? It shows. <laughs> but a game that's like hard pandering for identity politics, not getting good reviews, that should tell you something. Yeah, it yeah. was that bad. Well, I mean, I, I think enough people know well enough nowadays not to get caught up in that too hard. But you're, if yeah, you're right. But reviews like I use reviews as like a because you can read the review and be like, OK, so this game is a fine game, but it didn't pander hard enough. So like the this Kotaku or IGN or who, whoever fucking reviewing it is like reaching for problems like. When they're like, oh, you know, these gay characters in Final Fantasy 16 are not gay enough. Even yeah, though they're like, my tonguing each other's throats. With Forspoken, it's the opposite, where it's like, this is a really bad game, so we're going to be reaching for a good a couple good things to say. And so they right. start talking about the, the race of the characters. Yeah, like, but they're not even reaching yeah. <laughs> that hard for it, because it's just that bad of a game. Um, speaking of identity politics, do you want to mock the voice actors uh, reaping what they sowed? So I, I looked into that a little bit, and it really is as sad as it sounded. Yes, it is. It's like, so, take us away. <laughs> what happened? You know, I'm actually a big Prod Z fan uh, overall, because he uh, it's not even his voice acting work. I think he's a fine voice actor, but that's not like his comedy is solid. It's yeah. rock solid comedy. Like, and he still can do like, um, the vine style like seven second videos and just rail like zinger after zinger you know but his he stands on the well if you ask these people it'll be the correct side of history 
with the identity politics and in some regards yes some regards no like obviously people of you know marginalized communities probably could use a little bit more like light shined on them in general but also the i think you could see how this backfires real quickly when you say hey so i think if uh, it's right that only asian people can voice asian characters people you know apu you know really should be voiced by an indian man instead of a white guy making an indian accent and yeah i can kind of see where that's coming from and the like having been around college kids having seen the social changes and be like i can understand where you're coming from however there's the you know double edge of that sword where it's like okay guys so now you uh like we only have one asian character in the show so uh guess what asian vo voice actors fight for it get in the pit yes and um they and you know that because what nobody can come out and say it like this because it would be as ridiculous as it is but what people what the voice actors who were fighting for this really meant was hey white people shouldn't be able to voice our characters but we yeah. should be able to voice white people too because we have a white guy voice, white guy, white guy American accent, super easy. Look at Dave Chappelle fucking do it. Um, but on the other hand, that's not how re it worked in reality. It really turned into, hey, so there are three characters in this show that you are allowed to voice. Uh, but, you know, and the studios were like. I, the studios that, you know, were doing this, they were kind of like doing some. Um, malicious compliance, I think is what I would call it. Yeah. Yeah. It does sound like malicious compliance. Uh, but consider also, right, that, um, these, these voice actors like Prozidi, right, um, that, that fought for this and are now being harmed by it. Like, this is a cultural change for an industry where you, the actor, are working for a corporation that sets the rules and the money and stuff, right? Whereas mm -hmm. someone like Dave Chappelle, right, is an independent comedian, right? And he can say whatever the fuck he wants. People will come to his shows anyway, right? Yeah. And that's absolutely related to what I was talking about with Twitter, right? Where it's like, I don't, I don't think brand safe matters anymore, right? Like, no. Take podcasting, for example. Like, I know I know our, our value for value gains aren't very big. However, there's a lot of shows that are fucking thriving right now on value for value. And nobody can control what they say. Uh, on Twitter... Um, I ain't paying Elon no eight bucks. Fuck no. However, uh, uh, people are, it seems to be being moderated a lot more fairly, uh, which means there's a lot more diversity of opinion and people just can't get away with posting cringe anymore. You post something really cringy, you're going to get a bunch of replies that you don't want to see. Right. Um, and that harms some people like, or they say it harms them. Right. Uh, really they should just stop posting cringe. I mean, in um, reality, they're, they're getting a lot more interactions now. So, I mean, and it's like the the balance of power, it feels like it's shifting because like before, back in the day, think like 2014, right? Yeah. Uh, just being on the wrong side of an issue could get you either fired from your job or blacklisted, right? Oh, yeah, and, no, there was a... Like, and that the, still happens, but... I think the first example that I remember, because I was thinking about this a few days ago, when did it start with that? Uh, it was the lady on the plane who got fired, you know, who was got fired while on her flight and she found out that she'd been fired and needed to immediately turn around and take a return trip. Uh, 
Yeah, like, and she had like a Twitter account, and the and she said the wrong thing, but it was like a raunchy comedy Twitter account. Like, it's not like she was being like, "Black people are bad," <laughs> or anything like that. Like, yeah. she was not actually like it was a joke account, but you know, in twenty fourteen, people making rules didn't understand memes. I don't even know if we called them memes yet in twenty fourteen. Uh, I think so. I think. No, we did. We did. I was yeah. calling that in 2010. Like, I was going to say, yeah, I think, I think that started like mid-2000s, late-2000s, something. Well, regardless, like that's, but yeah, she was just, and that was like the first one I heard about. And it's like, on one hand, yeah, you know, maybe you shouldn't be saying things like that. But on the other hand, it like you're not on the clock and being punished for, you know, work while you're not on the clock feels, it feels dirty. Like, if you're not doing anything illegal. Like, if you're doing the illegal things and you, like, you know, if, you know, you rob a bank and your office fires you because, you know, you're a felon, that's fair, I think. But, like, you know, you say something uncouth online, like, Mm. "Mm, that feels dirty, man. I got another example uh, uh, of Elon's Twitter at work, right? Like, uh... So you know how Twitter, uh, maybe you don't know, actually, but uh, so uh, I'll tell you that Twitter has like there's trending, right? That works as traditionally trending does. But there's also like a for you trending, right? Where Twitter thinks it's clocked your interests and it tell you what, what's trending on those topics, right? And uh, it's obviously clocked me as a gamer, right? For the brand account. Accurate. You know what's trending for me? Fucking Hogwarts Legacy. There's a Switch version coming out, right? And so there's a new wave of some people saying, hey, don't forget to boycott this game. It's one of the best selling games of the year, which is kind of funny if you ask me. Right. But like on Elon's Twitter, you can post that and you get like 100, 200, 300 replies saying you're an idiot. Your boycott didn't work. I'm not going to boycott this game. A variety of reasons across the spectrum about why you shouldn't boycott the game or why the boycott doesn't work or it's stupid. Right. Um a variety of opinions on why you're wrong and it's like on old twitter they would have boycotted that game <laughs> like oh yeah there wouldn't be another side to it and uh that's hilarious uh and now i don't endorse twitter of course um i am you know i'll be on the fetty and on noster probably forever and uh the difference here is that twitter even though it's been set free uh is still social media Whereas the Fediverse and Noster are social networks. And when I, the different, the key difference here is media versus network, right? Like you use the Fetty and you would use Noster to talk to other people and make friends. You use social media to consume. And it's just not the same fucking thing. It's just not. Uh, if you weren't looking to, you know, make new internet friends, uh, the Fetty would not be for you. Uh, if you were just looking to get the news, the latest trends, be, be told what to think, uh, the Fetty's not for you either. So <laughs> that's just kind of how it is. <laughs> Sorry to say. <laughs> but you know what? The Switch port of Hogwarts Legacy is probably going to run better than Metal Gear Solid 1. That's Let's a fucking go. shame. <laughs> I mean, yeah, weirdly, like, out of the weirdest thing, Hogwarts Legacy gets my game of the year, but not because it's necessarily the best game I played. Just because it has, like, the most value, and it's an alright game. Like, I think it's a pretty good game across the board. In fact, I gave it a pretty fucking rave review, honestly. But, you know, some distance from it gave me a little bit, tempered my view on it. 
So I don't know. This is a really fucking hard. This is gonna be a really fucking hard year for me. Okay. I know. No, same for me. Like not I know. For, well, not for the same reasons as you. You've got a lot of really good games. I've got a really a lot of okay games or games that are good, but you know they're so short. It's not. It's like, oh yeah, I got sixty dollars out of it, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like as good as Xenoblade was. It's like you know Final Fantasy sixteen was banger, right? Armored Core was a banger. I'm probably going to get through Elden Ring before the end of the year, just because it's probably the next game I'll play. Um, Because I'm borrowing it, whatever. Um, I'm also playing through the new Cyberpunk DLC. Uh, Now, I I rolled a new character, and I am getting through Act 2 right now, and I'm doing the other two parts of Act 2 before the one that's required to start the new thing. Just because I want to meet all the characters and make sure that they're in my ending. (laughs) Right? Yeah, Um, Uh, because I heard that there's a new ending and you will get phone calls at the end. Uh, so like, I gotta go meet everybody or they're not going to fucking show up. Um, and so I'm doing that first. I've almost completed all that stuff. I've been just doing stuff I've already done. I'm like level like 20 now, I think. Um, I have like, I'm, I'm about to have two stats at 20 just because I'm high enough level now. And, um, I'm really looking forward to it. I heard it was really good. It's a real tearjerker plays with your emotions. But uh, haven't fucking started the new content yet. I'm still churning through it. But it might be so good that it knocks off Xenoblade. Don't know yet, right? Game of the year. It's a toss-up. Uh, I might get to Sea of Stars. I heard that's basically new Chrono Trigger, but I also didn't play Chrono Trigger. So oh, I got, God, uh, it looks so good. It does it look is, so good. There's so many indie games coming that look so good. Like Small Saga, the one I sent you the other night, and then there's uh, Crow Country that also looks really good. Same right, Unicorn? I could probably go on. There's so many good ones coming. The, the only thing I know for certain is that 2024 is going to be the year of the real-time strategy. You heard it here first. Quote me on that. Yeah, I mean, there's, <laughs> there's more coming. I know. There's I, so I many. The, I the can't believe it. The devs one, I think it looks a little weird. But I think gameplay-wise, it's going to be solid. Yeah. I'm most looking forward to Dorf, which is like this weird-looking game that like is made by one dude. And the art, it reminds me of... <laughs> it reminds me of Sim City 2000. Hear me out; it has nothing like the game. <laughs> However, in Sim City 2000, you could draw a bunch of tiles on the map for industrial sector, and you'll build these like weird toxic waste vats. And like those vats remind me of like all of the buildings in Dorf. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> it's a vibe. I love it. I can't wait to play that one. <laughs> and it, you know, it's got that. Um, it's just got that look where it's like it's machine it's twisty it's weird and it's also like kind of like this combo of like bone and metal which kind of reminds me of my tattoo sleeve which is like the same kind of (laughs) deal so i mean i'm really looking forward to that one it's gonna be it's gonna be just as packed of a year probably i don't know um but winding in the end of my uh, list of topics and we're just at the golden ratio of time but i have one more thing i need to cover yeah. the writer's strike it ended finally yeah. we've been covering it as it came and were you there when we covered it the first time Vic? the first time yeah 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 yeah. and so uh dear listeners if this is your first time listening to melomancy podcast if you go back like five six episodes maybe uh when we covered the writer's strike as it was happening at the beginning right um i actually uh pulled up the minimum basic agreement uh, that was previously in effect and broke down how much these writers made, um, which would surprise you that it's actually a lot of money, right? And I don't think they want you to know that because 
all the people striking, all the people talking about it online, they make it sound like these writers are like starving, can't pay rent, which is probably true. Because I mean, they live in, in California. LA, it's probably true, well, if they were paying rent, though, Dylan. But yeah, but they, they, they own their, their houses, houses. Their mortgages. Yeah. They own yeah, their houses, true. and they probably own them for a while. So their mortgage is probably like a thousand bucks, and they can't afford it. Like what? I don't know. I don't know how much. Uh, I know how much they make, and it's a lot. It's more than I make. But like, they can't get by. So it will probably not surprise you uh, that the the new uh, 2023 minimum basic agreement not available on their website. However, they have three pages. The the memo uh, that went to the guild members, right? Which is a long seven-page document with a lot of detail on it. Um, I didn't read it. Uh, there's a summary page and a contract changes FAQ page. I got some highlights. I'm going to read them to you. So uh, first I went to the FAQ. And the first thing I noticed is that uh, they don't mention a whole lot of numbers. It's all percentages. It's like, oh, yeah. Uh the minimum basic agreement minimums will increase by 5% starting September 25th, 4% on 5 2 2024, and 3.5% on 5 2 25. Not telling you the numbers, it's just saying, hey, take those old numbers and bump up by these percents because your your average layman who's not a writer isn't going to go look up those numbers like I did, right? And yeah. realize, oh, wow, they actually make a lot and they're about to make more, right? Only a little bit more, right? Now, they do mention some numbers uh, when we start talking about, like, uh, the benefits, like uh, like pensions. They get pensions? Did you know that? I don't get a pension. Like, most industries don't do pensions anymore. Yeah. Um, but they have pensions, and there's some, there's some six-digit numbers in there talking about pension caps. Um, there's also... Uh, let me read you this section on AI, because this is a net new part of the agreement, which is one of the things they struck for and that's fair right so talk about artificial intelligence right so i'm gonna I'm read this out loud let me know what you think when i'm done <clears throat> the 2023 mba that's minimum basic agreement establishes regulations for the use of artificial intelligence ai on mba covered projects in the following ways neither traditional ai such as those used in traditional like cgi and vfx nor generative ai uh, the new stuff um is a writer so no written material produced by traditional ai or generative ai can be considered literary material if a company gives a writer written material produced by generative ai that was not previously published or exploited interesting choice of words that material doesn't count as assigned material for compensation purposes or source material for determining credits and cannot be used to disqualify a writer of their separated rights in other words, this is a sub bullet. In other words, a company can't give you an AI generated screenplay and then pay you to re the rewrite fee to rewrite it. Instead, you will be treated as the first writer of the screenplay. What they don't mention is that it's cheaper to do a rewrite than it is to do an original script. So the idea is they're protecting writers from, oh, rewrite this and then that paying I you for the rewrite. That's fair. That I can get yeah. because it's AI. They didn't pay anything for that AI or pittance for that AI rather. Right. Yeah. And so it's like you can't get around the writer's fee by saying, oh, no, this is a rewrite. Like, that's great. I support that. Right. Uh, there's more bullets here. Uh, the company must disclose to the writer if any materials given to the writer were generated by AI or incorporate AI generated material. Um, a writer can choose to use AI when performing writing services if the company consents and provided the writer follows applicable 
company policies, but the company cannot require the writer to use AI software when performing writing services. That's great. So it's saying it's not forbidden for you to use it to get an edge, but they can't require it either. That's great. I love that, right? They're, they're not like lambasting the tools. They're encouraging use, um, but protecting the writers at the same time. Uh, one more bullet. Uh, one use, uh, or sorry, on the use of NBA covered material uh, for training purposes, that's training in AI, um, the WGA reserves the right to assert that such use is prohibited by the NBA or by other laws. Basically saying all the scripts that we write, including the ones that don't get made into shows, right? You can't just feed that to your AI to get smarter. Fair. Absolutely fair. fair and valid. Um, there are some numbers on here. Uh, one of the, another thing that they added in, into the newest NBA was, uh, for, uh, what is called HBS VOD. That acronym stands for, uh, I wrote it down somewhere. Where the fuck did it go? Uh, high budgeted streaming or video on demand. So like Netflix, Hulu, uh, Disney plus original shows for that, that don't air elsewhere. Right. Because a lot of studios, they, they jumped on streaming and moved quickly to produce shows there because they were loopholes in the old contract because streaming wasn't really a thing back then. Right. Like in 2020, yeah, Netflix streaming was a thing, but it was streaming movies that we all saw in theaters first. Right. Um, but like it, what, around 2020 it was like the turn of the of the okay everyone's making unique streaming only shows it's yeah. like re really replacing cable now and disney went hard at this right um with their like star wars and marvel shows so here's what they wrote for feature length that's 96 minutes uh projects made for streaming services with a budget of 30 million or more so movies right like netflix originals um there are improved compensation residuals. Uh, now, I'm not sure what these numbers mean. Like, is this like a cap of residuals? Like the residuals you get in the mail will cap out when you reach this number. But um, it's not clear to me what they're saying. But uh, what it was in 2020 for story, teleplay, and story and teleplay was 32,000, 55,000, and 84,000 respectively. Those have all been increased by a little bit. 38,000, 65, and 100,000 respectively, right? Um, and then there's also uh, residuals based on subscription tier, right? So like 45 million, that's like Netflix, whereas you have like 20 million, that's like Paramount Plus and Peacock, right? Uh, different residual numbers there um, that are drastically increased uh, from their previous models. And I think that's great because the previous MBA did not account for this, right? So that's valid, but it's also a very minor adjustment in the, in the grand scheme, right? And then there's a, a couple other notes here, uh, not really anything to write home about, but like the AI thing is, is, is new and exciting. Um, whereas this is really just a minor bump in pay because they weren't actually broke. <laughs> yeah. As I pointed out in the previous episode, they make fucking bank, right? Um, thousands a week. It's embarrassing that the things that they were saying on the picket line, it's like, what do you only work on one show a year? <laughs> like what's your day job? Are you really a writer <laughs> at that point? Like they worked on like half a show. Not even. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. You right. auditioned for a show. <laughs> they yeah. let you set you home back to McDonald's, I guess. 
But yeah, so the writer strike is over. Uh, now there are other strikes going. Like I know the Screen Actors Guild is striking right now. Uh, I think they also want AI protections, but they have more to worry about. Like, they do. yeah, the right the Writers Guild had to worry about AI writing scripts for them, and also writers not being very good at writing, and the AI doing it better because AI the, the writers that exist in the guild today kind of suck, right? Actors they have to worry about the extras and background characters just being digitized into scenes, right? Which some studios like Disney have been welcoming with open arms because it allows them to basically cast dead people, right? That was like, the other thing they were worried about too, is the dead people casting thing. Right. Um, without proper uh, attribution or um, restitution to the estate of the deceased. Uh, so it's like, that worked out really well for Disney because they have a bunch of people that they want in their shows that are dead. Like uh, the, the guy that plays the the uh, the grandma, he, he died a long time ago. Peter Cushing, oh, yeah, he died Peter a long Cush- time ago. But- also, part of the problem with Disney is they were doing it so relentlessly on people who've been dead long before AI was even like really known about. Yeah, Disney's just really scummy about it, and so uh, people took notice and they don't want to be replaced. Um, I remember there's one guy. I don't quite remember how this story goes, but like he, um, I think it was a Scooby Doo thing. He like he made like a Scooby Doo short. Um, but he used AI for all the voices because it was just like a student with no budget. And he just wanted to prove his capabilities as a filmmaker. Right. But yeah, then he got like guy. hella canceled. Right. Well, yeah, it, it really backfired on the people who were trying to cancel him or the person really that was trying to cancel him. Uh, she was one of the, uh, one of the Daphne voices. I think she was like mm-hmm. uh, the mid two thousand set. I forget which Daphne. She wasn't even the yeah. original Daphne though. And so, nor and the current. Was, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, she had just threw a hissy fit about it and basically told him she'll make sure she really pulled the "you'll never get a you know work in this town again" kind of card. Oh wow! Like yeah, she literally pulled that, and it's like I'll make sure that you never work, uh, you know, in Hollywood. Basically, and it's like he didn't even start; it was just proving his worth. Yeah. She was as just mad filmmaker. about it because the uh, essentially she felt attacked as a voice actor for that her job could essentially be replaced by AI. And while that is somewhat true, it also isn't true. Like it just it strikes me odd because it's a student project that was obviously not official in any way, right? It's like people that make mods for a half-life and or make like source filmmaker videos uh being told by people from valve you'll never work in this town again you used my assets that are free and open source uh, <laughs> now not the same thing i know because this is someone's voice right but like dude wasn't making money on this he was just proving his his ability as a filmmaker and it's like I feel like that that's not where you draw the line. Like, I feel like that's too far back. I don't know. Definitely didn't warrant that response for the Daphne yeah. lady. That was, well, some, that not, was some bullshit. You're not uh, paid to think, Dylan. Fair. That's the problem. I'm not paid to do nothing. And if you want to support this show, you continue the streaming of the stats. I see you people. Uh, but you can also uh, send us Boostgram. I don't believe we have any to read. We haven't posted in a while, so I haven't looked at Fountain in a while. Let me go take a look. I should have done this before. Um, yeah, well, Dylan's doing that. You know, definitely, it, I will read just about anything you write. Like, the where I draw the line is pretty much racial slurs. 
like that. That's pretty much it. So you better be a large boostergram. It's like <laughs> yeah, we're... if you want me to say the gamer word, you better be paying for whatever cancellation fee I'm getting. <laughs> <laughs> like we're earning sats. I could see it, but like people aren't sending boosts. I mean, don't be shy. It's fine though. Um uh speaking of, um I I saw I, I feel like this is a rumor. But I saw I saw it online. I don't remember if it was on Twitter or if it was on the Fetty. But um, Spotify, in whatever fucking headline I read, I didn't read the article. Shame on me. But um, I saw a crazy headline that Spotify was considering um, not paying artists that they deem unpopular for their music, um, like kill, like shutting off the the earnings for them. Why would they do that? The monetization. That's the word. Yeah. Um, to save money, I guess, because their business is failing, because they they spent an arm and a leg on Joe Rogan, and it turns out, pan that, out I mean, Joe Rogan is still the most popular podcast in the world. Though I use the word podcast lightly, because there's no RSS feed, therefore it is not a podcast. He's just a content creator. He's like the Spotify equivalent of a YouTuber. But um, he's doing great. However, uh, nobody, I don't think the rest of Spotify's podcasting library is very effective. And they don't do value for value. I mean, our show's on there. Um, sometimes I'll listen to our old episodes at work, and Spotify is the way I do that. But, like, I, th- there's trouble in the house of Spotify right now. I don't know what what's going on there, but I, I'm considering canceling my subscription over that. Like, I love all the AI shit that Spotify does. I really like algorithms, like, recommending new music to me that I actually like because they, they have a, they've got my, my musical taste, like, dialed in which is a really yeah. specific thing, right? I should really um, like finding indie artists too. That too. But like, if they're not going to start paying people because they're not popular enough, then it's like, well, shit, like maybe I should move to title. Like, uh, I don't know if titles better, but I definitely trust the guy making it, uh, more than Spotify considering I actually know who that person is. It's Jack, the old Twitter guy, right? He owns oh, title. Yeah. The, yeah, the thing about Spotify is just how convenient it is to be able to do that. But if they're not going to pay their artists anymore, that's definitely scummy because they're already paying them a pittance. Right. And it's like Tidal has a, comp- a competing offering, right, with a good library. Um, now, I could also just do Bandcamp because Bandcamp is about uh, paying artists directly and getting, you know, the ability to download. But I think I think Bandcamp also lets you stream. Uh, but I don't know what their app looks like or if it works in the car or what have I think you, it's right? Per artist and the artist can let you do it. I think I need to do some more research on what Bandcamp's capable I, I, of. I've only used Bandcamp a little bit back in the day, so I don't really know how things have changed. But yeah. and and we talked about Wavelake before, but I don't know if Wavelake is necessarily like a good like title or Spotify competitor. It's more of a place you'd go to get music that you can play on value for value streams like ours right um and otherwise like uh listen to with the value for value model which i love that but i know the pool of artists is going to be small and i listen to some obscure shit right so it's like i don't want to lock myself out of the music i love uh but at the same time they're not going to pay all this obscure shit that i love right um i i'm looking at title as my my number one place to move because i I don't want to do apple either but like where fucking else is there? YouTube? At least if I paid for YouTube Premium, I wouldn't have ads. <laughs> yeah. But YouTube Music is also a good a good choice. But like, I'd rather assess my other options first. 
I will stay with Spotify before I switch to YouTube. To be fair, YouTube has been doing its bullshit lately that is annoying. With the ad thing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 they're going really hard on... uh... I've heard Ublock Origins still works. I haven't noticed yet because this is going to be weird. I mean... I mean, Rick knows because he sees me in person, but Victim, it may surprise you to learn that I almost exclusively watch YouTube on my TV. Oh. And so I have a bunch of ads and I have to skip them the hard way, right? But like, because Adblock isn't a thing for a smart TV. Yeah, I mean, that's how I use my my phone too. I use the app, so. But I almost never watch on my phone, which I would do on the app as well. Uh, But like on my computer, like, well, thanks to the Steam Deck, whenever I'm on my computer, I'm, you know, here talking to you guys for the show. I mean, as soon I'll, I'll be joining the boys, you know, with Discord and playing games more often as, you know, um, my life changes up a bit. But um, I've been, I've not been watching. I don't I can't remember the last time I watched YouTube in a web browser. Uh, I mean, not counting uh, the other day when I was at work watching like some tech conference thing that was like kind of part of the job. Like that doesn't count. But like other than that, I can't remember the last time I watched a YouTube video on my fucking computer. <laughs> so, yes, I have Ubok Origin, but no, I have not seen the error because I haven't fucking watched it. That's <laughs> I just live a weird life, I guess. Anyways, this has been the Melomancy Podcast, episode 77. I think we got one or two more left in us this season. What do you guys think? Yeah. Oh, so, easily. Yeah, one yeah. or two. So... My plan is for the final episode of the season to be something that we do on Discord uh, now, just because that's a convenient place for uh, our people to gather in voice. Um, I mean, we, I would love to do it in Mumble, but like, I ain't editing more than three people, <laughs> right? So it's gonna be one of those uh, I don't edit anything episodes. But uh, I will probably we'll decide on a day, and I'll use Discord's calendaring feature to create an event. And to, to notify people and we'll just do it that day and uh see who shows and uh we'll, we'll we'll get some drinks and have a good time but i think i think before we do that finale for the season we we have one more proper episode left and uh we'll, we'll see it's currently the 26th of october in the year of our lord 2023 looking at the calendar i'll be editing next week the beginning of november and then the week after that you know what um Maybe we should record on Friday uh, instead of Thursday. Uh, reason why is because there the uh, Games Radar has an award ceremony of sorts called the Golden Joysticks. Oh, which I've, that's right. I've already cast my vote, but uh, we'll find the results on the 10th. And it would be a waste to record on the 9th. It's like we could that that's free content. We can cover the winners. And I really hope um, I really, really hope the the voice actors from Final Fantasy 16 win the voice actor award because they fucking nailed it. Anyway, (laughs) we'll catch you guys next time. Yeah.